Welcome. This is Karen Modakaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet. Are you inspired <laughs> or are you exhausted? I was exhausted yesterday, and I'm inspired today, and I'm excited to be with you. Before we get started, a couple of reminders. We are still doing our Wisdom Wednesdays series, so make sure you sign up so that you get these shows in your inbox because I know I need reminders, let's face it. (laughs) I'm imagining those of you also need reminders. And these Wisdom Wednesdays shows are past shows because let's face it, I think we've hit about 700 shows. I started the show in 2006 and there's all this great content and interviews and conversations and it's too much to go through. So I'm going through and reviewing the shows and picking the ones that I think can be really relevant for you right now in this time in our lives. So make sure you sign up so that you get these shows in your inbox and then you can make a decision. Do you listen? Do you not? I've heard so many people just love, love, love hearing these interviews and they're talking about them and it gives them that nugget, that nugget to go, oh yes, or that reminder Maybe it's not even something that is new for you, but it's a reminder. I can't tell you how often, especially during this time of 2020, whether I've read something or listened to something or, and I'm like, oh yes, that's right. I forgot about that. Or this is a great reminder, especially on those days where my own internal self-regulation becomes more challenging. So this is an opportunity to have these droplets, these nuggets to help you because let's face it. We are all facing decision fatigue. We have to make so many decisions daily now. And a decision can even be, do I go to the store? Do I not? Do I go on a socially distanced walk? Do I not? Do I exercise outside? Do I exercise inside? Whatever it may be, we're asking ourselves questions that we didn't have to ask. And we're constantly having to remember that just even walking into the store. Do I have my mask? Do I not? And that happened to me recently. Fortunately, I had a stash of masks in my car because I know myself well enough. And I was able to grab that and (laughs) overcome my own anxiousness of, but Corinne, you don't want to break open a new bag. And I said, yes, I do, because I don't want to drive home. But the decision fatigue is high. If you're leading organizations, if you're leading companies, if you're leading employees, you're getting taxed. If you're leading your family, you're getting taxed. We are fatigued. And it's important to understand that so we can remember to take care of ourselves because we are exhausted. Clients, when I'm on the phone with them, coaching them, they're astounded of, why am I so tired? These are hard times. And it's really important to recognize that so that then we can go, what do I need to do to take care of myself? In the athletic world, in the high performance of athletic world, this happens all the time of there may be a training plan that's set in place. And one of the jobs of the coach is to also monitor exhaustion and fatigue. Because remember, our bodies and our brains are not machines. Just because we think it should be able to do X or three times X doesn't mean it can or doesn't mean that we have the ability to today. 
So it's really important to be able to coaches and high performance athletes know how to help regulate. They'll either pull them out of practice. They'll say, go home. They'll say today's recovery day. You're going to sleep in or they'll adjust the practice. So it's a simpler practice on the body right? It's less intense on the body. That is the arts and science of a coach is understanding that it's so much harder for us to do as adults, or what we do is we can do not as adults, but as you know, humans regulating ourselves is it's like, oh, well, I don't have practice tomorrow. So I'm just going to stay up until two, you know, on a Netflix binge, that's not a recovery day. But this is why it's really important to understand that we have decision fatigue. We are making more decisions than we have before. And we're exhausted. The accumulating effect of this year and how the ripple effect of how it's spilling over into our lives. So give yourself grace and check in with yourself. What do you need? A couple of weeks ago, it was a Thursday night and it'd been a hard, hard month. And finally, I just looked at my family and I said, I'm going to bed. It was like 830. I never go to bed that early. I was so tired. I went to bed. I read for a few minutes. And by nine o'clock, I was asleep. I slept for 10 hours, 10 hours. So to give you a little bit of perspective, most of the time it's seven and I usually can't sleep past that. 10 hours. I was exhausted. And I didn't like the next day jump up and be like the Energizer Bunny or, or high energy kids. I was still trailing for the next few days. And one of the things that I know is I have to go in and check in with myself. Same thing happened yesterday. I was exhausted. I sat in my office and I looked at my computer and my brain could not function. It would not do anything. I could not take things in. And I had to make a few decisions on a leadership basis. And that was about my capacity, right? So it's really important to make sure that you take care of yourself. So last night I got a good night's of sleep. I, you know, got my workout in early. And of course there were other things I wanted to do. And I said, you know what? I need to take care of me. This is enough for today. Really good nights of sleep. I feel really good today. Yesterday at four or five, I thought I need to go to bed at that point. I was so, so tired. So pay attention to your decision fatigue, pay attention to your exhaustion and your ability to self-regulate. And self-regulate means managing your thoughts, managing your emotions, right? Are you with your thoughts? Are you going into your negativity bias and, you know, story fondling all these, you know, horrible stories about yourself or what other people think? Or are you able to, you know, regulate yourself and go, okay, this is what I'm feeling here, the stories that I'm telling myself. And I realize that, I'm exhausted and I'm suffering from decision fatigue. And what are the decisions I absolutely have to make today? And what are the decisions that I can wait on and get myself in a better place before I take action? So those are my latest happenings. I hope those tips help you in your life. And then we're going to now talk about today's show. So we'll talk about today's show and my new favorite thing. I have been listening to Michelle Obama's podcast on Spotify, so I'm willing to cope with the ads, but she has a podcast on there. They're going to do nine episodes. It's very highly polished. Some of you may love it. Some of you may not, but I love the conversation she's been having. And I love, love, love Michelle Obama. Love her. I look at her leadership. I look at how she leads her life and her family and how she shows up and how she continuously shows up in her authenticity of what she puts out there. 
and I've read her books. And so I just really love her. She was talking with her brother. It was a podcast with her brother and they were talking about their father and his ability to connect with members and how people would gather at their house and showing up for family members and how important that was. And I thought about that because one of the struggles that I often coach my clients through is this idea of showing up for others or other people not showing up for them. And so I wanted to talk about this because we want connection, right? We've talked about that. And like Brene Brown and her research has given us permission to say, hey, we're humans. We are hardwired for connection. And what connection looks for each of us can be very, very different. And it's really important to know what works for you. And another episode that Michelle Obama had with a doctor, and she was talking about how she you know, loves to work out with her girlfriends. She's like, I want to work out with my girlfriends. I want to talk, you know, I want to connect with them and then do the workouts. Whereas her husband, President Obama, she goes, he's happy with a piece of paper and a workout in the bottom of a basement, right? He doesn't need to be, he's like, what are you talking about? Why do I have to be with other people? And she talked about how we have this kind of like, we as women can put ourselves in these boxes of, oh, this is the expectation. I've done that myself. So raise your hand right now. If you've done that, it's like, oh, well, this is what so-and-so does. I mean, my own husband is, tends to be more of an introvert. He likes to come home and really decompress, right? And I really like to connect with people. That's something that I love, love, love to do. And when I was younger, I thought, well, there's something wrong with me. Because <laughs> of course, that's what we do. Let's beat ourselves up. There must be something wrong with me because I just like to be with people. I must be too needy. I'm hardwired for connection. I love to talk with people. I love to engage. I love connection right? He has a different capacity load. It's okay. There's not a right or wrong answer. So as I coach clients about the showing up and, you know, showing up for others, one of the things that's really important is it's really important for the people that are important to you that you show up for them. It's so, so important. What I have learned in my own life is that some of my loneliest times of my life have been when life was really full and there was a lot of success happening. And so people backed away because they didn't want to impose. And that's when I needed people the most. And I didn't have the courage to ask. And I just watched people slowly wither away. And it was interesting to watch the people that did show up and the people that didn't. Now, what I know now is, you know, Corinne, if that's something you want, at least be clear and ask. But I want to talk about some of the self-defeating thoughts that get in the way of connection. These are the stories that we tell ourselves. So then that therefore drives up shame or fear or, you know, we don't want to be vulnerable. So we just decide not to go into that arena with that friend or that family member. And so then the action is, is that we just don't reach out. We don't show up for other people. So these are some of the thoughts that we believe, the stories that we tell ourselves. No one will notice if I don't come. I don't matter it's okay. I'm just one of, you know, however many hundreds of people that will be there. Or, you know what? They already have so many people in their life. They don't need me. (laughs) I think about that one. Gosh, in 2012, there were some people that I really needed and they weren't there. And I really, really needed them. And it looks like on the outside, there's a lot of people, but I'm talking about the support that I need, the people that really know me and know my story and aren't putting me on a pedestal right? Who can call me on my own BS. Those are the people that I need. So another self-defeating thought is I don't want to impose. That's one of my old favorites. 
oh, Corinne, don't impose, right? Don't get in the way of them. Or it could be, I don't want to bother them. So have you told yourself any of these? No one will notice. I don't matter. They have so many other people already. I don't want to impose. I don't want to bother them. If any of those stories are ones that you use to stop yourself from showing up for other people, I invite you to put them aside and be brave and reach out. It's going to be vulnerable. They may not have the capacity. They may not want you to reach out or they may find that they're so grateful that you did reach out. And remember, just as hard it is for you to give, it's really hard to receive, especially for high achievers, overachievers. The showing up for others is right a double-edged sword. So one of the things that I've learned over the years is that really important places to show up because I used to think like, oh, look, there's already so many people going. Do I really matter? I'm not important enough. I don't need to go to that funeral, right? And I realized and I learned that funerals are a really important place to go. It's really, really important to show up at a funeral and the meaning that it can give to the people that are going through that experience. So that's something that I have pivoted over probably the last five years is to really show up and, you know, and not that I need to be the limelight, I'm more than happy to sit back, but for me to show up and be in support. When COVID happened, we did have a situation because one of my husband's best friends, father's passed, and it was right at the beginning of shelter in place. And that was the exception. I just said, you know, I'm not comfortable. We don't know what's happening. We did talk with his best friend and he was very gracious about it. You know, had it not been COVID, my husband would have totally been there. I would have been there. So this is where we hit this decision fatigue. How would we normally show up before COVID? And then now, how do we show up and what can we do? Right? So funerals are really an important place to show up for people. Weddings, right? You may not understand how important it is to the person who's getting married that you show up. If they are sending you an invitation, why not choose the story of, oh, they want us to be there too. They want us to celebrate their day with them. Granted, when you're in a wedding and it's really big, it's really hard to connect with people there right? But they want you to be a part of their day. And if you can find a story that can support the people that invited you versus saying, oh, it's so big, it doesn't matter. I have people in my life that have said that to me. It's like, oh, it's so big. You won't even notice that I'm there. And I'm like, oh my gosh, right? You're the person I wanted there. I wouldn't have invited you had I not. Now, again, we're in COVID, right? And so things are totally changing. And now we have to look at, do you feel safe enough to go to a wedding? Right? Personally, I do not. So right now you may have to make further decisions, but how could you show up differently? As I said earlier, when you have friends that are having huge successes in their life, it's really easy to say, oh, they've gone on without me. They're leaving me behind. I hear this quite often, but how do you know? Have you reached out to them? Have you talked to them about that? Maybe they are just really, really busy trying to, you know, deal with their own imposter syndrome because that happens all the time, people, (laughs) all the time, right? It's like people get promoted. They get these leadership positions. They're building these successful companies. They have this high level of athleticism and maybe they don't have the capacity or the brain juice to spend time connecting with you in that moment, but be patient with them, right? Another area that can be really challenging is for failures, 
when somebody, you know, has lost a job or has a situation where it's a public failure and we go, oh, well, we don't want to make it difficult for them. So we don't show up. We don't show up for them. But how can you show up for them and support them? Right. Those are the times that it's really, really important. You know, loss of jobs, especially with what we're going through as a country in the U.S., loss of jobs. How can you show up? You don't have to fix it. That's not your responsibility to fix it. Show up. I see you. You matter. I'd like to support you. Again, I'm not saying you have to pay for them financially. I'm here to hear you and be really clear about that. Besides failures is health issues, right? Cancer. And some years ago, a friend of ours, their adult daughter had cancer and they called to let us know. It's a former swimmer of ours. And I didn't want to ask that question of how can I help you? Because they were still just trying to process like, what is this diagnosis? What is it going to mean? At that point, we were all hoping it was going to be stage one and she would be fine because she was healthy and this high level athlete. And I knew that how can I help you would take up a lot of brain juice and you know, they didn't even have that because they're just trying to figure out how does our daughter have cancer, who we thought was, you know, their dreams and their vision for her had changed. So what I did was I repeatedly sent emails. At first I offered to cook, which is ridiculous because I hate cooking and I'm not comfortable cooking for other people. So then I eventually said, Hey, we can take you to the airports. We can pick you up from the airports. We can house it for you guys. There's so many things because their daughter lived on the other side of the country. There's all these different things that we can do. Let us know which one would work for you. And I would repeatedly show up in that relationship. And it took courage because there were often times they didn't answer back. And that's where I had to manage my own stories of, oh, I don't matter or I'm bothering them. And just every time before I hit send, I was like, Corinne, you're being brave. Reach out, show up you're committed to this for the long haul, show up, reach out, you know? And when they did ask on occasion, they would say, Hey, Corinne, can you repeat, take us to the airport? And they felt really bad about it. I was like, are you kidding me? We both fight over who gets to be the one that either takes you or picks you up, right? We want to support you. We want to show up, but it took courage on their part to receive or to ask for help. But I kept showing up over the years and over the years and over the years. So I invite you show up for others, right? You have to get over yourself of I'm too much or I'm imposing or I'm not important enough, right? And say, here's how I can help. And the clearer you are, like, thank God they didn't take up me up on my offer to cook for them because I would have actually eventually had like resentment, stress, probably offloaded to my family. Cause again, the cooking, like I wouldn't mind picking up food from a restaurant and dropping it off. That's not a problem. It was the cooking, (laughs) because that's my own vulnerability shit show, right? So pay attention to what you offer up when you show up for others. The other arena is births. And again, we're in COVID, right? But when I was at the hospital, so this is, you know, 18, 20 years ago, and my daughters were born and people in the hospital, because I live in a small town, they would see our names on the board and they'd swing by. It was pretty nice because I was kind of at the hospital for a long time by myself, right? Or in between, especially with my youngest, because my husband had the other kids to take care of. So it was nice just to have a visitor or people would come over and they'd want to meet the baby or they ask if they can come over. It was so nice. I didn't have the capacity to say, Hey, look, I'm now home, come over. But it was nice for people to reach out and they can always ask. 
right? As long as it's an ask and it's not a demand. But again, we're in the middle of COVID, so that may not be possible, right? But one of the things is that we have a family friend, a former coach of ours who had a baby. She had sent pictures to my kids. And so I was like, well, wait a second. I want to see the picture. So now we have a group chat. So she sends us pictures. It's awesome. And such a highlight. Like we can't see the baby. And right now they live in Southern California, but we get to see the pictures of the babies. It's so cute. It's something in these days of COVID to bring joy, right? We get to see this little darling baby and the cute little outfits. And she shares it with us, right? But it was because I went and asked, I said, Hey, can you send us pictures and incorporate the three of us? And then finally, here's another area. We are in the dog days of COVID. It's the dog days. I call that like the dog days of hell week training for swimming or the dog days of summer. These are just hard, hard days. I don't know why we call them dog days because I think dog days are pretty good, but that's just a phrase we use. These are hard times, right? So think about who are the people on your list who you want to show up for? Who do you have the capacity for? You, You may not have the capacity for many people and that's okay. That's something I've really checked in with myself. Who are the people I have the capacity for? Who are the people I want to have the capacity for? And I don't use the word should because that's a judgment word. Who should I have capacity for? But who are the ones that I want to have capacity for? Who are the ones that it would be important for me to reach out to communicate with them? And here is how you can show up. It can be really simple. You can send a text, right? A text message. If you have their phone number, you can send a text. You can make a phone call. And when you make a phone call, everybody has a decision to make of, do I pick it up or do I not pick it up? You know, if you you were born in the seventies, like I was, we were like, phones ring, I must answer. Because back then we didn't have caller ID. We didn't have answering machines. And if you didn't pick up, you would never know. We now have voicemail. (laughs) We have caller ID, right? So make a call. And then if they don't respond back, don't make a story about it. Don't take it personally. Maybe they don't have the capacity right now and that's okay. You can leave a message, right? Unless they have a voicemail message like I do that says, I don't check my voicemail, then listen to that because honestly, it takes me three or four months to check my voicemail. But you can leave a message. Like I have a friend whose husband's been really sick and I sometimes will call and just leave a message and say, I'm thinking of you, sending you lots of love and I'm here right? That's what I do because she doesn't have the capacity to pick up or to talk because so much is it maneuvering through the doctor's visits, you know, the chemo treatments, going to the hospital during COVID, all of that. So that is my way to support. The other thing that I did a lot at, and I'm going to, this has been a great reminder for me, but the beginning of COVID or throughout COVID while we're sheltering in place, I sent a lot of cards, handwritten cards. One of my favorite favorite, favorite card places artist is Emily McDowell. I'll put a link in the show notes. I love, love, love her cards. They're empathy cards. They're not sympathy cards, right? Empathy cards. It's not like, oh, you poor thing. You have this horrible thing happening. It's empathy cards where I recognize your emotions. I'm not trying to change your emotions and I'm here for you right? I love, love her cards. So grab those cards. I have a whole stack and I sent them out throughout the shelter in place. Once we reopened for the Aqua Monsters, that's taken up a lot of my time and energy, but I'm going to go back to that, just sending cards. I love getting cards in the mail. I love paper mail. 
right? Emails, texts, they're great because they're quick and easy, but there's just something special about having something to hold on to. And for me, I have this like, it's a be seen and be heard bag that I got years ago, I think from Brene. And I just stick all these cards in there over time. And so I could always go back and look. So I love love cards. Write a letter. I got the most beautiful, loving letter yesterday. Our family did. And there was messages for each of us. And those are the things that are going to fill me up on these hard days. So write a letter, right? I'm so thankful this person came and it was, she was, she came and gave us a gift. I was like, oh, you don't have to do that. Cause you know, I'm not good at receiving the most valuable thing she gave us was that letter, write a letter. And I invite you to do more than an emoji on social media. I get it. It's so easy just to do the care button or the heart in Facebook or the heart on Instagram, but really reach out. We want connection. We really want connection. Invite somebody to be on a Zoom call or FaceTime, follow through, show up for the people that matter in your life. And then here's the thing that's really important. And I say this all the time. This is the same from Brene Brown. Clear is kind. Okay. Clear is kind. So be brave in your relationships. And if you're on the receiving end and are not interested, it's also really up to you to be brave and clear about what you can and cannot do. Like my girlfriend who's on the East coast and her husband has cancer. She didn't have, like we talked once on the phone when the initial diagnosis happened, but she didn't have the capacity or even the privacy to have a conversation on the phone. And so we haven't since then. I've sent her cards. I have not expected to hear anything from her. I send her texts. Occasionally I'll get a text back, but she's been really clear about what her capacity is. And it has nothing to do with, you know, does she love me? Does she not? It has to do with what she's going through on a day-to-day basis right now. So, you know, the more that you can be clear about what you can and can't do on the receiving end for those who are showing up for you, that more that you can have a connected relationship. And even if it's like with my girlfriend who right now it's more on the one-sided, but we've had this history over the last 10 years where, you know, she's shown up for me in other times. So it's not a transactional relationship. Don't make people figure it out. That's passive aggressive. It's like, oh, I'm not going to be clear, but I'm just not going to answer the phone or I'm not going to get back to you and I'll let you just make these stories. And then they could be hard feelings. Clear is kind. What do you really have capacity for? What do you not? And even if you're just not into somebody, right? Like, and this is like dating advice. Like if you're not into somebody, like let them know, Hey, thank you so much, but I just don't see this relationship moving forward. So let's go ahead and end this. Like, let's do that instead of ghosting people. Let's have brave, courageous conversations because now you set that person free to go fill up with the right people, right? And whether that's in friendships or family members, what do you have the capacity for and what do you not? So on the show, I've often talked about showing up in your life for you. You show up for yourself. You show up and be brave, be seen, be willing to be out there. And today in the show, I've pivoted a bit, right? I'm saying show up for other people. This is about what are you putting into the relationships that are important to you? And I invite you, create a list of people who are really important to you. And he used to not like this because I was like, no, everybody's equal, right? Like we can't have hierarchies, but really we have our inner circle people. And then there's these different layers of people. So while people do matter for me, who are the people who've earned the right to hear my story? Who are the people that I can count on? 
Who are the people that, you know, I have this connection with that I want to show up for, that I want to support because they're really important to me. So you can create your list of people and then compassionately, compassionately, not with self-hatred, not with blame, but compassionately ask yourself, are you showing up for these people? Right. As I was putting the show together today, I realized like, wow, Corinne, there are people that you haven't reached out to because you've been so head down into the summer. And so today would be a great day to send out some cards, to send out some texts, right? To reach out to the people who really matter to you. Show up. That's a way of being compassionate, right? I'm not beating myself up. I'm not saying, oh my gosh, Corinne, you got too busy with other things. No, I'm meeting myself where I am and I'm taking a look at what can I do and I'm making a commitment and I will get it done today. So if you are not showing up for the people that are important to you in your life, what would that look like? Right? I gave you some examples of what that would look like for me. What would that look like for you? And then ask yourself and be honest, what do you have the capacity for? Because that part's really, really important. Part of the reason I went to cards was that was really the capacity I had in the beginning. I didn't have a whole lot of capacity to talk on the weekends or, you know, spend a lot of time on the phone during the week with clients or on zoom. And I didn't have that capacity And I didn't want to get into these texts where, you know, there can be hours in between or I have to have my phone next to me. And so for me, the cards were a great way for my own capacity. After you figure out what your own capacity is for yourself to show up for others, then the other thing to get clear about is what does showing up for the people who matter to you, what does showing up for them look like? And this is where it gets really vulnerable and you're going to need courage and the willingness to be messy because you're going to need to have courageous conversations and it's risky and it doesn't feel good. And there's emotional exposure, but here's what I know. When you can talk about the things that you both want without having to have a perfect resolution, a perfect outcome, a perfect plan but are willing to draft up what to do. What does support look like? What is showing up look like? What do you have the capacity to do? Then you can go about experimenting and refine as you go through it. This is so important being able to have these conversations where we can get clarity because what we do is if we have the bravery to have the conversation We're like, okay, I had it. This is what's finalized. This is what we're going to do moving forward. (laughs) And then we get frustrated and mad because it's not working. There's a lot of tweaking, my friend. I get it. We want things to be wrapped up and we want it simple and easy. We have decision fatigue. We're exhausted. I get it. But remember, we're complicated people. (laughs) We are story making creatures and we're really good at sabotaging ourselves or getting in our own way. We want connection. We want to be able to show up for those that matter to us. We want those that matter to us to show up. And we're all really tired right now. 2020 has been an ass kicking year. And our own self-regulation is more challenged, right? I have a ton of tools and there are days where I'm like, I cry, uncle, this is it. This is all I have. I'm done for the day. (laughs) That was yesterday. So we're tired. We're challenged. 
And we can be prone to having a negativity bias. We can be prone to having our pity party stories and story fondling and, you know, not making the most generous assumptions of others about why they aren't showing up or why we shouldn't be showing up. But what we need to do is be willing to have these conversations with the people that matter with us so we can get clear on what does showing up look like for them? What do I have capacity for? What am I willing to do? Because this, my friend, is what will get you the connections that you hunger for, that you desire for, that you want to create in your life, the real true connections, not the false fake stuff on the surface, but the deep connections that we need that allows us to thrive and that supports us, especially in years like this. So show up for others because they need you. They need what you have to say. They need the energy that you're bringing, whether it's a shoulder to cry on virtually right now, or somebody to laugh with, or somebody just acknowledge, yeah, this is hard. That can mean so much or somebody to have fun with. We need to have more fun. So show up for others. Your voice matters. Your action matters. Stop getting in your way and telling yourself that you don't matter. Other people in your life need you. All right, go out there, be brave, allow it to be messy, practice, experiment, and get clearer again and again. I'm smiling big for you. Hey, If you enjoy listening to this podcast, you'll love my weekly emails. I know you're thinking, Corinne, really? Do I want another email in my overflowing inbox? Yes, you do. Yippee, skippy, you do. These are short. They're sweet. On Fridays, I send out the Friday podcast. It's a great reminder that there's a new show and it comes straight into your inbox of the latest episode. Awesome. You click on it, you go straight because we all need reminders. We have busy full lives. And then on Sundays, I have my Sunday love column. And these are emails I write from the heart. They're filled with love. We need more love. We all do, myself included. These are short emails where you get a quick takeaway so you can incorporate this into your life because people often want to know, what to do and how to do it. And maybe sometimes it's a story that you get, or there's like one time I wrote about the 10 ways to practice gratitude. And that became such a great tool when one of the readers was struggling in the middle of the night, because it can be a scary place in our brains in the middle of the night. And she remembered the email that I sent about 10 ways to practice gratitude. And she was able to practice gratitude and fall back asleep. And that was an awesome lesson for her to incorporate into her life. Go to the show notes and there's a link in the show notes where you can sign up and get these emails in your box. On a lake, she is dreaming, she is drifting, never been so wild.